Welcome to the McDark Horror Series. Lights out. Good. Here we go. I had been running for hours, the sun having set long ago. The moon was now glistening above the treetops, its silver rays beaming through the leaves. It still gives me little light to the dark forest, and I was blindly dashing through branches and bushes. Dead leaves and fallen branches crunched under my boots, and a few times my feet would stumble over a fallen log or a hidden hole. But on I ran because every time I showed any sign of stopping or slowing, I heard it. It was lumbering after me, tearing its way through the trees in its pursuit. So I couldn't stop, I couldn't slow, because then it would be upon me. I had been running for so long that my body felt numb. My lungs no longer burned for air, and my legs no longer pulsed with energy. I had passed the point of exhaustion, and pure fear-induced adrenaline is what kept my body moving. I don't know where I was running, or what lay ahead of me in the shadows of the forest. My sight was useless, and I could only navigate with touch. The blackness of the woods was swallowing, and every tree, log, branch, and hole I crashed into was only discovered by the touch of my hands. The thing had wandered into my camp just before dusk, and we had sat watching each other. I think it was startled just as much as I was, and our eyes were locked in a stunning embrace. Then it screamed. I took off running in the direction of what I thought was the road. I didn't hike that deep into the woods, out of an experience and the fear of getting lost. Well, that happened anyway. The creature had ignored the raw beef that I'd left beside the campfire, and its focus was squarely on me. What could be fresher than meat that still has blood pumping through it? So, it chased after me, grunting and snorting as it did. I was sure I'd twisted both of my ankles, and I'm sure any bare skin exposed was covered in cuts and bruises. But on I went, the horror behind me being enough to keep me going. It's when the ground disappeared below me that I finally stopped. I fell into darkness and didn't feel it when I collided with the earth. Birds were singing somewhere above me and sunlight shone its way through my eyelids. I awoke at the bottom of a small creek bed, the water barely a trickle. The sky above me was clear of clouds and the brilliant sun cast its warming glow over my cheeks. I lay there for some time feeling the warm rays upon my skin. Then the horror of the previous night invaded my tranquility. I sat up with a start and immediately vomited from the motion. My head spun from the sudden movement and it hurt to breathe. As the world danced around me, I admired the purple swollen stubs at the end of my legs. My ankles so bruised that I was sure it would be impossible to take my shoes off. My legs were littered in deep gashes and cuts, 
and dark yellow bruises coated any area not covered in blood. While my body fought back, I forced myself to turn my head and look around. The ditch I was in was a tight one, and I'm sure it was nearly impossible to see even in the daytime. No one walking nearby would even know I was here, and even if I could scream, I'm sure no one was around to hear it. I collapsed back into the rocks and mud, closing my eyes and breathing slowly. Every inch of my body hurt, and I had the depressing feeling that I was going to die out here. I couldn't walk. My arms were too battered to crawl. My throat was too sore to cry for help. I was alone in the woods, and no one would ever find me. My eyes flew open as I heard a twig snap from somewhere overhead. Something was getting closer, and it was large. I could hear it snapping branches and logs as it approached. I could hear it grunting and snorting. It was back. The thing from last night was back. I could feel my eyes start to water, and my racing heart pounded against my ribcage. A silent scream escaped my lips as a large, dark shadow creeped over me. I tried to crawl away, but my arms were too weak. All I succeeded in doing was leaving claw marks from my hands in the mud. This was it. I was going to die in more pain than I was already in. Whoa, are you okay? A man's voice said from above me, and I could feel small pebbles bouncing off my head and shoulders. The man carefully maneuvered down the side of the pit and knelt beside me. He had a bushy brown beard, kind brown eyes. He wore a black knitted beanie and a green plaid shirt. He surveyed my damaged body and let out a sharp whistle. You've been through hell, haven't you, kid? He mumbled, stroking his beard in thought. My tears of horror had turned to tears of relief as I gazed up at my savior. This man was probably the most beautiful man I'd ever seen, and I wished I could thank him. My mouth gaped like a fish, moving open and shut with no sound escaping. Take it easy, buddy. You're with me now. Everything's going to be all right. I saw a flash of something dark come over the man's eyes, and his lips curled into a wide, toothy smile. You're with me now, he said again, as his hand reached up and wrapped around my throat. So, I work in the ED of a big hospital. Needless to say, it's a thankless job that has me worn down over the years. I work in the trauma bay from time to time. Let me just say, I've seen some shit. People with their faces half blown off, entire limbs swelling and infected to the point of amputation from drugs, flesh-eating diseases. Hell, I've even seen a guy come in who had been tied to a bed, had a curling iron shoved in his ass and turned on because he cheated on his wife. Ooh, that one still gives me butterflies just thinking about it. I got stories for days, months, years even. Stories that would make you curl inside out. But none of those compare to this one. My most recent patient 
whose name I won't disclose, was brought in by police. Apparently, his neighbors had called in to report that they had heard screaming from his house and became worried. He had been known to sell and use drugs and had multiple counts on his record for it. The neighbors thought it might have been a drug deal gone bad. When the cops arrived, they found him on the floor in a huge puddle of blood. Luckily, they had gotten there in time and called an ambulance that transported him to our hospital. Now, I work in a level one trauma center, which means that we can pretty much get any kind of patient. Doesn't matter how bad they are. We have the resources to care for them. So, when they brought him in with his arms bandaged up and half alive, didn't surprise me. I had seen plenty of this. After we got him all stitched up and took some samples of blood to run tests for drugs, we gave him some transfusions of new blood and some IV fluids to keep him hydrated. Took about five hours or so before he came to, and by that point, his skin had returned to normal color and he was able to speak to us. Between the officer and I, we had a lot of questions to ask, but I was going to get his admission history first, and then the officer could question him. The officer left the room because the patient said he felt more comfortable giving me his info without the officer in the room. By the time he stated his story, I figured it must be a psych problem. Had to be, because his drug results came back negative. I would later come to realize just how wrong I was. This is how the story went. He had been visited by one of his usuals a couple of weeks ago, who seemed a little off, well, more off than usual, I guess. The guy had come to him, tweaking and twitching and talking crazy. Or at least that's what he thought at the time. When my patient asked his customer what was wrong or what the heck he was on about, the guy just started making a clicking noise with his mouth. You know the sound you make when you put your tongue to the roof of your mouth and then flick it so it hits the bottom of your mouth? Anyway, he told the guy to get the hell off his property before he shot him. And apparently, the guy just walked off. He walked down the street as calmly as could be, according to my patient. And then the guy just walked out into oncoming traffic and was mowed over by a bus. For this next part, I'll try to quote my patient. He then told me about how he started to see things afterward. Things that made him genuinely terrified. I thought it was the weed, man! He said with fear in his eyes, so I quit smoking it, but it didn't stop there. I was laying in my bed one night, and I just felt, I don't know, like I was being watched. In the profession I'm in, you either keep a gun under your pillow, or you get caught off guard by some druggie looking to make a quick steal from your stash. So, I grabbed my gun from my pillow and sat up, looking around at the two windows in my room to see if I could spot a peeper. It just got tenser by the second and I could hear a single noise from outside. That's when I started to hear it. Hear what? I said, still charting on my computer. His voice got lower, almost to a whisper when he said, The clicking. This gave me a chill down my spine for some reason, as I asked, trying to look calm. What clicking? All I could hear was a low click. And then it got louder and louder by the second, always coming from a different spot in my room. I was froze, man. I didn't know what I was hearing, but 
It almost sounded like the clicking from that crazy moron that came to my house. As he finished this sentence, a few beads of sweat started to form on his face, and his hands began to shake. The heart rate on the monitor started to creep up slowly, and then jump from 94 to 180, but he kept on with the story, getting louder and more frantic with every new detail. That's when I saw it, up in the corner of my room. It was clinging to the wall with its knees to its chest, and its feet touching the walls along with its left hand stretched out to grip the wall. In its right hand was an hourglass. The sand in the top was half empty, and the clicking continued. Click, 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 he said as he finished with the same clicking noise from his own mouth. That was nothing compared to his face. When I looked into his face, all I could see was an unnaturally large, toothy grin. At this point, he started to yell. He was just smiling at me, just smiling away like he wanted to rip up my throat and watch me die. But that wasn't the worst of it. Oh no, it was his eyes, man. His evil, soulless eyes. They just stared right through me. I've seen him every night for the past week and a half, and all he does is smile and stare. And every time I've seen him, the sand just keeps getting smaller and smaller, like my time was running out. I wasn't going to let him win, though. <laughs> he said, as he started to laugh maniacally. By this point, I had no clue why nobody had heard him yelling and came in to help me. But he continued... No, I wasn't going to die. Die to a thing like that. I didn't want to find out what happened when the hourglass ran out. I tried the gun, but it jammed, so I used my pocket knife. He lowered his voice down to a whisper again as he looked up to the corner of the room behind me. What he said sent me into a state of shock, and I couldn't turn around. He's here. Again. The sand is almost gone. He said as he made his tongue click. Oh, looks like he's got an hourglass for you, too. As, as he made his final click, his heart rate spiked and the monitor started going crazy. A few nurses rushed in and tried to start a code blue, which is an emergency situation where a patient is having a cardiac arrest. They were coming in now? Now? Not before? When they heard all that screaming? Long story short, he died from a heart attack and I had to leave work early due to the stress. I'm now writing this at home, because I'm starting to hear clicking too, and there's no clock in my office. Molly is a purebred Shiba Inu, who I got on my 18th birthday. She was a happy pup from the start, always smiling and wagging her curly tail. She loved people, but more so, she loved attention. Whenever someone would visit, she would hop up on her back two legs and dance for them, stretching her front legs out towards the visitor. She never barked or growled and would always try to approach people in the street when we went for a walk. 
She was always happy. At night, she would curl up in my bed at my side, nuzzling her little body against me for warmth. She was always there, and I always woke up when she got up or moved around. It rarely ever happened. That was, until a few nights ago. I woke up to the feeling of her moving to the bottom left of the bed. I tried falling back asleep, but something felt wrong. When she moved, she would normally always end up coming back to my side. She stayed down there, and the bed felt incredibly empty without her beside me. I opened my eyes and sat up to see what she was doing. She sat with her back to me, her ears upright and alert. She didn't even budge as I moved to look at her. In the dark, it was hard to see, but I swore the hair on her back was bristled. I rubbed my eyes to get a better look, sleep still trying to hold me in its grasp. It was then that I heard it. A low, deep growl. I was wide awake now. I looked back down at Molly. She was now standing on her feet and growling at something in the corner of the room. Her hair was sticking up all along her spine and her muscles were tense. I had never seen her so alert and, well, angry. I strained my eyes to see what she was looking at in the corner. I couldn't see anything. The only thing there was a tall standing light. Molly never once looked at me, and I tried to call her back to my side, but she never budged. Her ears didn't even twitch at the sound of my voice. I didn't want to touch her, not with how angry she seemed. I didn't want to end up being on the other side of her sharp, glistening teeth. It took a while, but eventually I fell back asleep. I woke throughout the night, looking down to see her still sitting there. She would rotate between sitting, standing, and laying, but she was always staring at that corner. The next morning, I checked the corner, but sure enough, nothing was there. Molly was back to her happy self, but was more sleepy than she normally was during the day. She slept at my feet under my desk as I worked, and the events of the previous night faded from my mind. I had completely forgotten the events of last night by the time I settled in for bed. I was asleep almost as soon as my head hit the pillow. Molly was sleeping by my side, again, like always. Once more, I awoke to the feeling of her moving. She was back down at the foot of the bed, growling at something I couldn't see. This continued every night for the following week. We would go to bed together, and I'd wake up to her moving down to my feet. Eventually, I got used to her moving down there. I'd wake up at the movement, then roll over and go back to sleep. Well, last night was different. Once again, I awoke to Molly getting up and moving. We had been spooning, me being the big spoon and her the little one. Her little body curled up against my belly as I stroked her soft fur. I'd fallen asleep with my hand still resting on her side. The feeling of her sliding out from under my hand is what woke me. I kept my eyes closed, expecting her to move to the foot of the bed like normal. This time, though, I felt her slowly move up and stop right beside my head. I opened my eyes, and she was there. Her body was tense, and her dark eyes were wide and alert. I could see her teeth slightly bared as she growled. She was sitting beside my head and growling at something that was behind me. My heart pounded in my chest as I stared at her. She was focused on something besides the left side of the bed, no longer in the corner. 
I was frozen, my body locking up in terror as I watched my companion tearfully. She stood slowly, her growl deepening. Behind me, in bed, I felt something lift the covers and slide in behind me. I let out a quiet sob. as I felt a cool breath on the back of my neck. I should have listened to Molly sooner. Now, it's too late.